downtown Boise is the economic heart of a region so many people love. But lately, the streets down here are a little quieter. The area is home to many cultural attractions, hosts businesses, small and large, and is the place you can get a quick bite to eat or a world-class meal. But the global pandemic has had an outsized impact downtown. Today, we'll look at where things stand, where they're going, and some of the challenges and opportunities with business leaders, government leaders, and experts. This is the future of downtown. Boise Dev presents the future of downtown. Presented by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Featuring the interview with Boise Mayor Lauren McLean. A tour of the new 11th and Idaho building. Plus, our live panel. Josh Davis of JD's Bodega. Jennifer Hensley of the Downtown Boise Association. Shannon Lincoln with Juniper. Dean Bennett with Holland and Hart. And Sean Robbins with Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. The future of downtown, live, next. There's no place quite like Idaho. That's why Regents Blue Shield of Idaho is constantly reimagining the healthcare experience, tailoring it to fit the needs of local families and businesses. Rooted here since 1946, we're shaping the future with cutting edge digital solutions, Idaho-based customer service, and unparalleled access to top doctors. That's the region's difference you can count on. We get you because we are you. This Boise Dev presentation is presented by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. And thanks to our sponsors, Holland and Hart, a full-service AMLA 200 firm delivering integrated legal solutions to local, regional, national, and international clients of all sizes. Their Boise office has deep roots in Idaho with sophisticated experience to handle the most complex issues. ServPro of Boise. Ask them about their certified ServPro Cleaned program for a higher standard of clean. Serving Idaho from the Treasure Valley to Idaho City to McCall and surrounding areas. And Haley and Aldrich. Serving Boise since 2012, Haley and Aldrich serves mining, infrastructure, industrial, and construction clients in the Boise area with their geotechnical engineering, environmental permitting, and remediation services. Now back to The Future of Downtown, presented by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Here's your host, Don Day. Welcome to The Future of Downtown Boise. <laughs> you know what? You, when you're live and you forget to unmute the mics, it's always the big Let's get the first glitch out of the way off the top. How about that? So people who are looking to be going, what is he doing? It is noisy downtown is what I said. And uh, we've got a great panel and I'll introduce them again since I introduced them all to myself, which is how this kind of thing goes. Uh, Josh Davis owns JD's Bodega. Uh, Dean Bennett is a partner at Holland and Hart. Shannon Lincoln owns uh, Juniper and, Red, uh, and uh, Red Bench Pizza. Sean Robbins is president of Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. And Jennifer Hensley is with the Downtown Boise Association. Uh, and as I was saying, <laughs> I talked to the uh, mayor, Boise Mayor Lauren McLean, about a week ago, and we really talked about what the city is going to do and what it can do going forward. And that was the first question I had to her. Uh, what can Boise do to really help ensure that the future of downtown Boise is strong? You know, looking at small businesses, we've decided to use CARES funding to provide grants for small businesses. But, but from a financial perspective, our ability to provide funding is limited. So instead, we really have to look at how we form partnerships to address 
different needs that a community has. And there are very real business needs. And then there are needs that families have because they've been impacted um, by the impacts to businesses. So partnering with community organizations to meet various needs, looking at housing and housing affordability because that impacts the economy. And then doing all we can, first with my economic recovery task force, and now through some planning regionally on economic recovery and the role we can play. Let's talk about that task force fairly broad array of folks, and they obviously didn't just look at downtown, they looked at the whole city. Of course, yeah. What do you think that they kind of honed in on that really impacts this sort of economic center here? Yeah, so, and I should say you bring up the fact that we're an economic center. So all of the decisions we made from a health perspective from the beginning really were driven by the fact we wanted to protect public health, but recognizing that we are an economic hub. And I believe that if we protected people and made tough decisions, we'd recover strong, more strongly in the future from it. And so we went in with that. We pulled together the economic task force and asked them to look at strengths, weaknesses, what we've learned from the COVID experience nationally from an economic perspective, and help us think about where we could direct our resources, which is really people, time, and then a little bit of funding. And they said we ought to, we needed to focus on public health because you need healthy people to have a strong economy and a rebound to address housing, like more aggressively address affordable housing through different initiatives. Um, and then finally, we need to do some work in cooperation with the region really around workforce development. So housing projects are a big thing all across the city. It's been a focus of you. I know it was on a focus on council as mayor probably even more so. We've got a project right behind us here. It's making a lot of noise. It's making a lot of noise and, <laughs> and, 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 and distracting us a little bit, but they, you know, it's a sign of, of growth and improvement. Maybe a lot of questions downtown, but one that does seem to be answered in this first six weeks or six months of the pandemic is housing projects are steaming ahead. When you look at these housing projects, what can the city do to maybe even incent more housing downtown and How's that going to impact the way that this area looks in the future? Yeah, and also on that, as we think about what downtown looks like in the future, because we know more people are working from home right now, in order to have a thriving, vibrant downtown, which is so important because that's how the region will thrive, we need to make sure that we have people downtown. And so if we are having fewer workers that are driving in during the day, you know, having more people living downtown will also be a way to, to ensure that the businesses here thrive. But we're also thinking about housing citywide, not just downtown. Um, and so this fall, the public, and I've asked developers to take a look too, we'll have the opportunity to comment on and give us feedback on a, an affordable housing um, overlay, not a zone, but a bonus ordinance. And we, we've put in some ideas on how we can negotiate around density, height, parking, what have you, in exchange for a certain number of those units being affordable. But I need to hear from them what, you know, how that would work because we want to put something out there and into code that'll actually get us what we need, which is more housing, but also at affordable rates. And then throughout the city, we're working on acquiring different parcels where we can um, put the land into our housing land bank to then put out for proposal for mixed income neighborhoods at different affordability levels. So in the work session on that on that housing bonus, there was, I'd say some, some disagreement between you and, and, and um, Council Member Clegg and just kind of working through that process. And, and Margaret Carmel wrote about this uh, about a month ago or so. Yeah. How's that process going? And have you started to come up with some direction towards where you want to go with that? Yes. In fact, I loved that council hearing because it actually like required us to have a conversation yeah, right. about what we were all looking for. And you saw in that it wasn't the, what staff brought us wasn't just about affordable housing, but it was developing in transportation zones. There might've been something else as well. 
And so in that, I wanted to make sure that we really get out of this, the affordability piece, and the council president had some other ideas. Staff brought it back to us yesterday, or no, at, a couple days ago, and we reviewed it, and it'll actually go out to the public on September 29th. How do you think that that change of mix downtown, 10 years ago downtown was all office workers, yeah. and then people who maybe came down to have a night at Hump and Hannah's, or maybe have a night at, I'm trying to think of a restaurant that was around 10 years ago. Um, now we're kind of starting to see a change with more housing and potentially fewer office workers. What do you think the city can do there to help ensure that businesses are adapting or changing or getting used to a new time? Is it really just helping to bring more housing downtown? Are there things you can do on the office side? Yeah. How does that all look? I mean, that's a great question because first off, we have to remember the city can't do it all. Sure. And while we can model in the own in our own ways of managing our employees like we brought them back um, in safe ways so they're staggering their times but we wanted to do that to show one that it's possible two we have to because we're living through this covid era and three we wanted to have our employees here so they could frequent businesses downtown and we could have more people um, in the mix downtown so that's one thing that we can do internally to make sure we're doing it right and then talking about how we do that um, but then there i mean just talking about the fact and encouraging businesses, innovators, others to think about what's next. How will COVID change the way we work? I think it'll bring, keep more of us at home. So then people can be thinking about, you know, from an office perspective, are you gonna be instead creating communal spaces where people come in to gather at different times? From an urban renewal perspective, what investments should we be making um, to support what, what's next? And those are things that we're still trying to figure out. I mean, I wish I could say we know what it's going to be, but if, if nothing else, COVID has shown us, we can't, ex we can't think that we know exactly how things will be. And instead we just, we need to iterate as we move along. So from urban, urban renewal perspective, we're trying to align both the agency and the city on affordable housing. Um, and we, as an urban renewal agency, we could make strategic investments that encourage projects and investments downtown that are like taking into account the fact that the way we work and live is, is likely changing. Do you think that that's maybe a new incarnation of, of CCDC? I think it's kind of had a couple, right? There was the first as the redevelopment agency way back in the 70s when it was like, let's do a mall. And then they changed and did really built out a lot of what we see yeah. now. Yeah. But people think of it as like the streetscapes and the maybe the fire lines and that kind of thing. Do you see this as kind of a new era? And, and how does that tool get used especially when you've got some urban renewal areas down here that are starting to expire. Right. How does that get used to help maybe move in a new direction, support recovery and, and adjust for where we're gonna be in the future? So the one through line with CCDC, the Urban Renewal Agency, is the recognition that urban renewal is a tool for economic development and opportunity. And, and we've seen that happen downtown in incredible ways. I know that the board is very anxious to have a, a strategy session. We just haven't all gotten together. Um, but the chair in particular sees a great nexus between um, investments that would spur affordable housing downtown um, and CCDC TIF investments. Um, we are still, of course, working on some projects that will take some of these areas that have been vacant and turn them into housing, office buildings, et cetera. Um, but historically, we've invested in parking garages and streetscapes. And it, there are many people that are suggesting as time, and I tend to agree with them, that we think about how, what the next strategy, like CCDC 3.0, if, if, if you will, looks like, 
I, I think it includes the foundation, but then some iteration on what those investments look like. There's been a lot of focus on restaurants in the last six months. And I, I hear from business owners who don't own restaurants who are like, boy, you know, it, there's been a lot for, for people who serve food, but it's been a little tricky for the retail businesses. Yeah. Parking is uh, kind of chopped up downtown. There's a lot of meter hoods for takeout, which is great if you're doing takeout, but if you're maybe coming outside for a patio or you're ducking into one of the retail businesses, it can make it a little tougher. How does the city balance that out and ensure that we're not just too focused on one sector that we're helping all the all the different sure. street level businesses? And, and you know, we've had conversations internally about that, like how we do that, and it's hard. We set out first with meters because there was only takeout, and those were the few things that were open downtown um, to get people to support restaurants, and then wanted to create um, Eighth Street is a place that could be open to people rather than cars and parklets as well, because we wanted to prevent people from being masked inside to protect health, but also give the restaurants a go at a, like a certain, like the summer period when they could probably do a little bit more business. The small grant program that we have is aimed at especially those small businesses that didn't receive state or federal funding. Have you seen good pickup on that so far? Yes. Yeah, so we've we have over a hundred applications that are waiting to be processed, and so far we've processed ten of ten. So it's, but it just started, right? Government, right? So, it takes yeah, a little yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the accountability piece and transparency around the grants is is so important. So we set up internally systems that you could take them in and, and review them, and then disperse with money because we have to get reimbursed by the state to do that. So that's something that we, we eyed toward, like eyed with the thinking of, okay, this is a way that we could help small businesses that we haven't been able to help with patios. Um, I would love to have other suggestions, especially if those small businesses have things that would be helpful for them, would love to hear. And because- How do they do it, that? It, it, this should have business here. owners. So how do I they, mean, how do they Honestly, they should email me, Mayor McLean. There's only one C in McLean. <laughs> at cityofboise.org. I think the first time you ever talked to me is because I misspelled it, so. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It happens all the time. Um, because I'd love, if, if there's, there are businesses that I've been able to drop in and learn from, but I can't see everybody. And if there are suggestions, even if it's specific, it helps us think about, you know, what might be specific to one business, could, if we could actually figure out a, either a way to convene support or for us to be engaged, it could help us serve others too. I'll leave you with this. You know, after the election, boy, that was a crazy period, right? And I remember telling somebody, like, it's like, I think the next six months will be more interesting than the last six months. And I couldn't have even imagined, right? I think every crisis is an opportunity. How do you look at this time and all these challenges we've been through as a way to help um, move forward some of the goals that you um, think that you talked about in the election and do some new things. Difficult times that we've had. We might still have some to come, but that we've had so far. Sure. And I do think we have difficult times to come, to be honest. We have to uh, manage and live through this until we have a vaccine. I think we haven't seen a lot of the impact of, you know, credit tightening, small businesses that are eking, eking their way by now. And so one, it's, it's, just, it's important for me to be mindful of that, that we have to really be listening and understanding the signals and then figuring out how we can serve this community through this time. And in general, I think that moments like this require us 
to, to think differently, to act differently, to bring urgency to our life. And, and if we do that, um, and I think also with this angle of gratitude, just for the opportunity to be able to have something to impact um, at this time. But when we think about how, um, how we serve and the urgency of the moment with trying to reimagine solutions and what's next, I think is where the opportunity lies. So it's almost like those disruptor moments or disruptor tech companies where they take something that we know, but they think about how we're gonna use it next. And COVID requires that of every business, of every family, of every community. And those that do it best are the ones I think that will be most successful in the long run. But it also, this crisis also laid bare the things that we were hearing in the last election, that people in this community were struggling, that wages weren't keeping up with housing costs and they needed us to do more or to show that we were trying. Um, and so that's why I say we, we have to. Like this crisis, the things we've learned from it every day requires to be flexible because we're learning new things every day, um, but also no longer um, let us necessarily think that everybody's doing okay. And instead we've, as a city in partnership with so many people need to act. So that was a pretty interesting interview with the mayor. We had about 15 minutes and tried to cover a lot of ground there. Um, now we're going to try and cover a lot of ground with our panel, uh, bringing back in Josh and Dean and Shannon and Sean and Jennifer. And Josh, you know, you run JD's Bodega here. You serve a whole host of clients, office, residential, tourist people here on the weekend. And I really wanted to start with you because um, you and I have been talking over the last couple months and you've got that really street level view of what's going on. And, and I really just wanted to ask you, you know, what are you seeing and what are you hearing? Yeah, thank you. Uh, first off, I just want to thank you and uh, Boise Dev for doing this and putting this uh, this together and giving us a voice. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it has been for all of us, it's been a it's been an interesting time and struggle. I think the biggest thing um, that I've seen is, you know, just needing that communication of what's going on, um, sharing information with one another. Um, we do kind of, we've kind of become like a little barber shop here. <laughs> uh, we get a little bit of everybody coming in. And so we hear the stories across the board, the good, the bad, um, the frustrations, um, the things that are working, things that are not working. But, um, you know, I, I, I've appreciated um, a lot of the, the work that's gone into trying to find solutions. Um, what I'd like and I think a lot of people are feeling is finding some common ground to have um, those communications, spread information amongst each other, being able to share what's working, what's not working for these businesses. Um, like you talked about in the segment before, um, there's been a lot of emphasis put on uh, the restaurants and the bars, and by all means, they definitely need some. But like you said, there's a lot of other small businesses that are really struggling. Um, we've, we've lost some already, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see more go in the next few months. Um, I think that we need to be very cautious about uh, looking at the way we do want to see downtown continue to form and grow. Um, I'd hate to see our downtown become restaurants and office spaces again. Um, we've built a really cool culture in Boise. Um, hearing the people that come and visit, 
they're always taken back by how beautiful, clean, uh, the different types of opportunities to go see different things downtown. But if we start losing all those other businesses and only have restaurants and bars and office spaces, then it's going to be a real struggle for us. And so whether it's um, costs of leases going, continually going up to um, just not having the, the, the people down here, you go out to Eagle Road or some other areas and, you know, some of those businesses out there are really booming, but there's almost a stigma on downtown. And um, we've got, for us specifically, I mean, we've got a clear water building housing, you know, 800, 900 people empty right now. Uh, U.S. Bank buildings pretty much empty. Key Bank buildings empty. City Halls brought some people back, but it's pretty limited. Um, so even though the surface area might look like it's doing okay, we're missing a lot of people in downtown. And I think a lot of your parking studies show that on the on the parking areas. But um, yeah, I could so go on for a long time, but yeah. I'll let somebody else jump in. Sorry. So, so, so Josh, I'll actually show that. Uh, I checked with the CCDC uh, who owns parking garages downtown. And we've been doing this uh, throughout the pandemic, looking at usage of the garages each, uh, each Wednesday at noon. And before the pandemic really hit, you can see on the left side of the chart there, those garages were about 70% full, which is pretty significant because they added one just a couple of years ago. As the pandemic hit, that plunged pretty quickly and that midday usage was under 10%. We've seen a little bit of recovery. You can see that first kind of hump there is when a lot of the restrictions came off and then it moved back as Boise moved into stage three again. And now things are trending up ever so slightly, but we're still in that you know, 30% range. So there's definitely fewer people down here during the bulk of the day and and Jen I know you're tracking this and um, you know you did the the state of downtown Boise here a couple of weeks ago I've got some data from your survey we can pull up here too but I wanted to ask you what you're hearing from your members so um, currently I keep going the echo should go away yep okay. <laughs> um, we're hearing, I would say through conversation, that it's it's there's about 40 to 45% of the office workers are in their offices on a regular basis right now. Um, so of course, as we mentioned, like that hits all sorts of sectors down here. Our coffee shops and our lunch spots are definitely feeling pain. Our retail spots aren't getting that, you know, everyday weekday foot traffic. Um, but, and we're, we're hearing, I shared at that event, that 40% of downtown businesses are reporting that they're down 50% or more. Um, so that's, you know, those numbers are not exciting. <laughs> they are, they're, they're not great. And we're, we're, we're continually trying to rethink how we can help people. We're continually trying to rethink, like, what does it mean to be downtown? What do people need to hear to come down here? Um, we're leaning very heavy into the messaging that downtown is safe. It is. These businesses are taking COVID very seriously and definitively making moves to make people feel as comfortable and as safe in their spaces. Um, but I did gather some information from our friends over at the Boise Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, these numbers are citywide, but they, um, the, you know, tourists, they, you know, if you come to Boise, you come to downtown. Um, occupancies year to date are down uh, 29%, but so that's year to date. But for the month of August, we were only down 
So these are good numbers. We're, you know, we're seeing this recovery. We're seeing quite a few tourists. Um, we're seeing quite a few visitors from Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California. Um, but we're also hearing from hotels. Uh, they shared with me that they're seeing some corporate travel starting to come back. Um, and, you know, the meetings, there's a, a big part of the downtown economy are the meetings that happen um, down here, whether it be at hotels or at Boise Center. And um, the meeting numbers currently for 2021, it looks like we're only down about 25%. So uh, these are booked meetings for the year. So it's, there's definitively hope out there, but the next few months are going to be tough. And winter is a time when um, restaurants, especially post holidays, slow down a little bit, where retail slows down a little bit. Um, people kind of tend to hold up, especially in the month of January. So we're going to have to continue to push that message that you got to get down here. you got to support these businesses. This is your downtown. And um, we need everybody to show these downtown places their love. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting. I've got one more uh, graphic here for people. And this comes from your uh, survey that you did with business owners. And you touched on this a little bit. And you asked people uh, some of their concerns and 90% and of the businesses and employees that you chatted with said they're moderately or very concerned about the uh, about a recession. Uh, this is from August. 53% are moderately or very concerned about a lack of government assistance. Uh, and I headlined a, the story I did on Boise Dev uh, last month that 37% are moderately or very concerned about, about going out of business. And I think that's kind of a, a key challenge, right? We've seen a couple of closures and and frankly, I think seeing closures downtown is not atypical. Uh, businesses move in and out. Um, you know, Dean, you work at Holland and Hart. I think it looks like you're in the office today. What are you guys doing differently and, and what has changed uh, from your perspective at Holland and Hart and maybe from a legal's perspective? Sure, there's been a, a bunch of changes uh, as everyone has had. Um, we were pretty good at getting everyone remotely working from home in March. And frankly, we didn't see production go down from timekeepers and from people doing work. Uh, a lot of questions from clients on how do you comply with the new laws? What do we do? How do we handle leave policies and that kind of stuff? So there was, we've seen uh, litigation continue on. We've seen M&A deals continue on. There's been some stops uh, and fits and starts, but Basically, people have still needed legal services and we've been able to provide those services. And we've seen our clients who are service providers also be able to do the same. So thinking about how this is going to change, I mean, I do see a lot more people working from home even when the pandemic is over because I think the technology is advanced and, and companies have advanced to allow that. And I think that could be good. I think that'd be good to bring in some more industry to Boise. I know for retention and recruitment. One of the biggest important things that people moving to Boise want to see uh, sophisticated service providers is a thriving downtown. And that is what everyone says when they when they come here. And we've been able to bring in a number of great service providers because of that. So we have been slowly moving folks back into the office uh, consistent with CCDC, excuse me, CDC guidelines, uh, keeping occupancy under 50% making sure we have various areas closed off, making sure we have various areas taped up, taking chairs out of conference rooms, doing the things to make sure we're protecting our employees and our and the lawyers of the firm primarily. But also we're seeing clients that want to meet in person. You know, they want to have a spread out conference room with face masks and hand sanitizer, but have some personal interaction. And we work 
uh, the way we provide services to our clients is team-based. And so I know it's been difficult. The Zoom conversations and the WebEx conversations, they get old, but it's helped us stay together. And I think we see a lot of clients doing that. And frankly, I think downtown Boise and the businesses down here are doing pretty well. And I think Boise is positioned in a really great place to recover at the end of this thing. So Sean, you've got uh, kind of an interesting background here. You're obviously the president of Regents, which provides healthcare uh, services to Idahoans through insurance, but you've also got a degree in urban planning. And, and I wanted to ask you what you see in downtown that you think really um, helps us in the current environment and maybe going forward. Yeah, you know, it, it, first of all, I think I probably see this from two perspectives. The first is as an employer downtown and second from some unique background in urban and regional planning and economic development and thinking about the ways that cities develop. Um, I'm, you know, going into the, the COVID experience as a downtown employer, but also as a community at large, we went in with a tremendous amount of momentum as an economy across the state and in the city of Boise in particular in the Treasure Valley more largely. Um, a lot of that momentum, despite some of the challenges that particularly our smaller retailers are experiencing, those continue, but a lot of the other macro trends continue. In fact, they may even accelerate. Um, sort of as Dean was saying, both while we're in this experience, but also as we come out of it. Reality is, in my opinion, this is a place that people want to be. And um, increasingly in the 21st century, um, employers need talent and talent wanna go where employers are and employers wanna go where talent is. And so to the extent that places are attractive, places to live, to raise families, to have children, to recreate, um, those will continue to be magnets for talent in the next 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. And so we have this great asset as a community um, that a lot of other cities across the country would wish to have a lot of the assets that we start with. So while we still have hurdles in the short run, we have these enormous um, gifts, if you will, that we are blessed to have going forward, which also present challenges to us going forward. Um, and that's where, you know, I look down the list of folks who anchor themselves downtown, like Simplot or Boise Cascade, or even the state of Idaho, Count, Cradle Point, Clearwater Analytics. These are major traded sector employers that um, give volume to the smaller retail establishments and the smaller retail establishments make the downtown an attractive place for those employers and there's this interdependent relationship. So what we need to be, I believe, really focused on is not just um, thinking about the future as, as Mayor McLean said, but really asking the talent inside of those organizations um, what they want to see in their future downtown, how they would want to see it develop as a community going forward, not just um, for their own success, but for their families um, to anchor here for the long run, to retain that talent, and then the cycle kind of begets itself in the future. If people have access to good, high-paying jobs in an urban environment, um, that will be an ingredient that creates forward momentum that allows us to confront some of the challenges I know we have from growth going into the future. Boy, I think that's interesting, and I think conversations like this are really kind of that piece of trying to figure out what what makes sense 
you know, we've talked a lot about the daylight, and I wanted to talk about the nightlife a little bit. And and Shannon uh, over at, at Juniper, you guys are closed right now, but you were open. I wanted to hear kind of what you've gone through this summer, and, and I know you're going to open up again later this year, but but tell us what it's what's happened uh, for your business, a restaurant on 8th Street. Well, obviously, um, it, restaurant business is not the most fun place to be at the moment. But we did open up after the closures and um, at 50% capacity, I think when we opened, we were in stage two, which meant um, no bar top. Um, so for us, it was financially devastating. Um, opening back up, it's just very difficult to control your costs and opening up at 50% of your revenue is just unsustainable. We were in a position where we would already talked about doing some remodels to Juniper, some updates, we're going into year seven. Uh, they probably wouldn't have been quite as major as what we're doing now, um, but we are actually thinking about long-term pandemic-friendly type uh, remodel, putting in more you know, booth seating things where uh, people can be sectioned off a little bit better. But when we did open up, um, it was just pretty devastating. So I think, I think for us, um, it was just an obvious time for us to stop and uh, do the remodel now versus waiting for the recovery to happen. Now we're going to talk about where are we going? And the panel is all back here uh, for this segment. We talked about where things stand, and now I want to talk about where things are going. There was an interesting video that you might have seen that hit YouTube a few weeks ago, uh, and it talked about really where Boise has been and where it's going and some of the changes. The video was done right before the pandemic, and it's called the Boise Revolution. And I wanted to play a quick clip of this, and then we'll talk about it with the panel on the other side. One of the first events that they created, which was really interesting, was the Alive After Five. All of a sudden, there was more activity downtown. Restaurants started coming in going out from the Grove like spokes. The 8th Street Marketplace area developed, 8th Street North developed. And that vibrancy moved from 8th Street and further and further out. It was like somebody turned the key on and said, we can do this. So I was thinking about that, turn the key on, and, and the ignition has been on for a long time downtown. Now there's some question about that. And, and Sean, I'm gonna start with you here. Uh, you know, you, you obviously have studied urban planning, you know Boise well, you're a downtown employer. What do you think the city can do to ensure that that vibrancy stays in place and that we don't slide backwards? Yeah, yeah you know, there's going to be a lot of great ideas on that. And I know that the, the region and the city are, are actively putting their arms around um, what does growth look like? How do we make sure it's responsible growth? not only to move ourselves into the future, but to preserve some of the assets that have made us great in the first place. Um, Mayor McLean said in her opening um, statement, and I wrote it down, the city can't do it all. And she's absolutely right. The city can't do it all. Government can't do it all. I think part of our future has to be a very strong public and private sector partnership to create the city of the future. Um, none of these things are, um, uh, mutually exclusive from each other. We don't operate in silos. And I go back to talent. Um, you know, from an employer's perspective, um, the ability to attract talent and retain that talent 
in this community is going to be crucial for companies' ability to compete in the future. And as we do that, we have to think more holistically. We have to think about how transportation, parks, recreation, retail, entertainment, all of these pieces come together to create a livable urban environment, because frankly, that's what the next generation of talent is seeking. And as we um, retain, seek, attract that talent and then retain that talent, the employers and the public sector have to come together to really shape that future together. is isn't one or the other, it's both. And there, there really have to be a, a strong relationship um, between regional planning and government bodies, local planning and government bodies, and retailers in the downtown, along with those large traded sector employers that are really anchoring um, the employment-based downtown. So I think that's interesting, and we've got a couple of those retailers downtown, uh, Shannon and Josh. Uh, and Shannon, I'll start with you. I know that you're closed right now, but you're going to open in November. We talked about that. What are you planning to do differently to ensure that you can keep going and keep swimming here? Well, like I mentioned before, um, we were planning on doing a remodel, but we've actually pivoted a little bit in what we are um, actually putting in place in the restaurant. We've actually taken the pandemic and tried to think if this goes forward, if we have this in the future, how are people going to want to interact within our space? Um, I think some of the some of the things that the city has done with the restaurants on Eighth Street, with you know, with the restaurants all around the town, um, from a patio standpoint, I think those are going to be things that we really think about, put a lot of investment toward um, giving people more space that they feel more comfortable in. Um, I think from a standpoint of a finer dining restaurant, um, we weren't set up to do to-go orders as well. So that was something that maybe we may start to incorporate a little bit better um, and make sure that we have a menu that is to-go friendly. Um, other than that, I'm fairly optimistic that we're going to get back to a somewhat normal um, situation where we are dining out in a more normal fashion. So I have to be somewhat optimistic that we're going to get through this and get to that. So I don't know that we're making any major changes from a business standpoint, but other than uh, just our And Josh, you know, you've got a little different. It's food, but it's not a restaurant. It's more of a retail establishment. And what what's going on there? Have, have you seen business recover? And what steps are you making so that you can come out of this hole? Yeah, I think I think the big thing is just looking at, uh, you know, tightening the belt, you know, making sure we're being smart about everything we're doing, um, trying to be as supportive as we can to other businesses as well that are going through everything. Um, I think taking safety measures has been extremely important for us because we want to create a, a, a environment that people feel comfortable coming into. Thanks to our panel, Shannon Lincoln with Juniper, Dean Bennett with Holland and Hart, Sean Robbins with Regents, Josh Davis with JD's Bodega, and Jennifer Hensley with the Downtown Boise Association. I thought it was a great discussion. Right now, though, let's look at one last thing. I chatted with Boise Dev's Margaret Carmel about the housing situation downtown and how that's changing. And here's a little bit of our conversation. Yeah, we have lots going on. Um, there is hundreds of units in progress right now in downtown Boise. I know in one point in 2019, you went and counted up and found nearly a thousand units in progress. 
The majority of these are apartment rentals instead of condos. Some highlights include the 114 unit Cartier building on Broad Street, which is from the same developer as the Fowler nearby. There's the 75 unit project across the street from the newly completed hotel and parking garage on front and the 12 story 55 and older community that was just proposed over near the main library on 8th and River. There's going to be a lot of these projects continuing and it's really gonna change the dynamic in downtown Boise from more of a nine to five lunch place to continuing the shift towards a place where a full service neighborhood where people are living and working and, and playing, which is really the tagline that the city loves to use. But I think it's applicable in this, in this instance. So the city's been kind of doing some work to try and really boost housing around the city, but also downtown. The mayor told us about that, you know, earlier on uh, in the future of downtown event. What are you seeing as you cover city council uh, for their efforts right now? Right. So there's currently an effort to study the idea of a housing bonus ordinance where the city would consider giving developers the ability to build denser projects, more units, if they agreed in turn to include affordable units. Um, or there are other bonuses in there as well, or reusing existing buildings potentially, or bonuses for housing, parking reductions to reduce costs. So instead of kind of the str strategy that the former administration under Mayor Beter took where they paid out developers just to build units, um, the McLean administration is saying, okay, we're not gonna maybe give cash, but we're just going to say, okay, developers can build more units if they do things the city finds desirable. And that is still in progress. It has not been enacted yet. So what about the mix? I mean, are we seeing what the city wants downtown? Are they seeing lots of different housing types? Or is it really all kind of one thing? Or, or what are you seeing in terms of what's actually getting built? Right. So like I said in the beginning, it is majority apartment living. And that is going to be very upscale with a few exceptions. Clay Carley has an affordable project over on Grove Street behind Pingilly's Bar um, and that's under construction right now. And that's gonna have roughly 60 affordable units. But the majority of these units are gonna be high priced apartments, which are gonna be priced at the very top of the Boise market. And we're gonna see what the demand is for that. I think that Boise is still in that place with a housing market where if you have the money to afford $1,200 a month in rent, you can buy. And so I think that developers might hit that saturation point of how many people in this market are willing to pay that high a price for apartments in downtown as opposed to maybe purchasing a home of their own. So I'm going to be very curious to see if we hit that saturation point and what it looks like in the next two or three years. Boise Devs, Margaret Carmel, appreciate you joining us on the future of downtown. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That's it for the future of downtown. A great discussion, some great information. I really appreciate you watching. I also wanted to give thanks to the folks here at Haley and Aldrich, to my producer, Gina Borud, to Lightbender Media, Justin Core, and Jesse Jacobs. For now, I'm Don Day with Boise Dev, and thanks for watching. This Boise Dev presentation is presented by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. And thanks to our sponsors. 
Holland & Hart, a full-service AMLAW 200 firm delivering integrated legal solutions to local, regional, national, and international clients of all sizes. Their Boise office has deep roots in Idaho, with sophisticated experience to handle the most complex issues. ServPro of Boise. Ask them about their certified ServPro Cleaned program for a higher standard of clean. Serving Idaho from the Treasure Valley to Idaho City to McCall and surrounding areas. And Haley and Aldrich. Serving Boise since 2012, Haley and Aldrich serves mining, infrastructure, industrial, and construction clients in the Boise area with their geotechnical engineering, environmental permitting, and remediation services.